Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priests to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other. And we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Do you work out on a regular basis just to have discovered that being extremely cut doesn't bring you happiness? Are you bulldozing your way through multiple challengers only to fall deeper down into the abyss of meaninglessness? But do you look awesome defeating your opponents with a single punch? Um, whether these things are or are not true about you, you still may be interested in talking about One Punch Man with us today. Uh, this is Systematic Ecology. We are the priests of the geeks. Uh, I am your lead host, Nick, and I am here with my awesome, uh, delicious, handsome men of hosts, hosts of men. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to stumble my way through that one. Uh, I'm here with Christian and TJ. Uh, Christian, how are you? I'm all right, Nick. How about yourself? I'm great, man. TJ, how about you? I'm cooling. I'm chilling. Shaking off a rough game. Mm, rough game. What a, of Of what? Oh, we'll get there in a second. Okay, okay. He says Valorant well, one more time. He's, he's very... The show. <laughs> we, uh, we keep it cryptic <laughs> here uh, for your anticipation on systematic ecology. Um, but before we dive into One Punch Man, we'll talk about what we're geeking out about. And uh, don't, don't leave us hanging on any longer, TJ. What have you been geeking out about? And tell us about your uh, rough game. Man, probably Valorant. Uh, I'd, I'd have to say, I just... You know, I took a shower here with the door open because I have the master bath bedroom and I just locked the main door, but that the humidity got to my mouse pad made me aim bad. Mm. That's our excuse today. Yeah. Mistake I've made many times. The humidity <laughs> affecting the, the mouse pad. A true gamer here. A true gamer. Uh, <laughs> uh, Christian, uh, I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for your, uh, your loss of, of a match, TJ. Uh, Christian, what about you? What have you been nerding out on lately? Well, I like right before recording Platinum Spider-Man 2. So I am feeling pretty good. That was a great story. Had a lot of fun there. I have my gripes with it, but overall, it's a really fun game. Well worth playing, even if you haven't played the first one or Miles Morales. Yeah, I need to dive into it. I've been seeing all the stuff on the interwebs, uh, pun intended, and I need to jump on it. It looks so awesome. Uh, I have been reading a... Uh, Tolkien spiritual biography. It's called Tolkien's Faith. It came out a couple weeks ago um, by a Tolkien scholar named Holly Ordway. And so, if it's just a uh, focus on Tolkien's life as um, as a Catholic and just seeing how that kind of shaped his life, so it's been kind of highly anticipated for for Tolkien nerds like me. So, 
it's been it's been good so far. And with that, we're gonna jump in to One Punch Man. So before we dive in, let's get our main impressions of One Punch Man. Um, what was so? What was your reaction to your first encounter with One Punch Man, and what about it makes it worth talking about and revisiting? Uh, Christian, I'm gonna have you go first, and then TJ, I'd love to hear hear yours next. Well, my first reaction was how grateful I was that this exists. Because when it came out, it was in a time in my life when I was in an anime dry spell. Just be like, I don't care about this anymore. Uh, I never liked it in the first place. I was lying to myself. And then it was this and Iron-Blooded Orphans, Mobile Suit Gundam, that both kind of brought me back into the anime fold again. And because this is everything I love and it's making fun of the stuff I'm used to. Like all that terrible stuff that I watched beforehand that made me like quit anime. Now I can see it being made fun of. I'm feeling pretty good about that. And then seeing Saitama's journey alongside all these really kooky heroes has been a lot of fun. I love this show so much. Yeah, that's good Gundam. Mm-hmm. That's good Gundam. Uh, for me, uh, it was I was just kind of around in the space. I was in high school with you know the weebs. They're all talking about One Punch Man. And it took me a long time to actually start to watch it. Uh, but I was at my cousin's house spending the weekend there. And for some reason at that time, I was like, I should, I should watch one punch man. So I laid there on his floor after he went to bed and watched the entire first season. And man, it was good. I was hooked from the very beginning. Cause the intro is amazing. The opening for season mm-hmm. one is so good. And I was just along for the ride, you know, overpowered protagonists, but comically. So I love that. It's so funny. And the series as a whole is just so funny. Yeah, kind of, you know, it's funny, a combination of both of y'all's stories kind of resonate with me. Um, You know, I was kind of also in an anime dry spell. I wasn't uh, going through like a anime existential crisis or anything like that, like you, Christian. But I was definitely (laughs) like, uh, you know, I was like, there's nothing on right now. I don't know. And I had seen One Punch Man. This was probably around 2016. So like a year after they had released the anime and kind of at the same time, I was like, oh, whatever. It was like a Saturday night or something. Or I can't, I can't remember. It was a weekend. And I was like, ah, we'll just put it on. And uh, like you said, that intro hit. And I was like, oh, I'm in. This intro rules. And then I think I binged the whole thing in one night. Like, I think I stayed up all night and just finished it because I was that hooked. I just could not stop watching it. Um, everything from like the animation, the, like the story is actually good. Um, it's hilarious. Um, the action is badass. Like, even though it's like comically, so like it is the, the fights with like the heroes that aren't one punch man are sick. And then of course, like the, the, um, the fatalities of one punch man are just animated so well. Um, and they're of course just hilarious, um, with all these heroes and their, uh, faces of astonishment after they've just like fought to the brink of death and one punch man's just like you know slaps a mosquito lady and she explodes um so (laughs) you know yeah super super i uh, super uh enjoyed that and still watch the first season um periodically yeah it is so good and it still stands the test of time at least season one uh of like gorgeous animation like it, it really was peak at that time 
Yeah, it's really true. I think I, I think a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people were, but I think I was just surprised because I had looked it up and I think that's why I was hesitant to watch it because I was like, oh, this is kind of like a joke show or whatever, not kind of understanding kind of the meta text behind, you know, its creation. Um, but then watching it, it's just, yeah, amazing in, in all the ways. Um, but yeah, I have to acknowledge, you know, it's funny. TJ said that he was hanging out with the weebs and uh, I'm, I'm among weeb greats here and uh, with Christian and TJ just steeped in the, uh, the anime manga scene. <laughs> and I'm here just a humble baby weeb uh, leading this thing. So uh, we're just nerding out and having fun. Um, but yeah, so you had brought up, see, I had brought up season one and TJ had brought up season one in particular, kind of standing the test of time. But um you know, season one is known for being a parody of the overpowered protagonists in manga and anime. And for listeners, if you're not familiar, that's your Gokus, your Dekus from My Hero Academia, and your Naruto's. Okay, these characters that fight and they may lose, but they keep getting stronger and stronger until they can never be defeated ever again. Um, and so Saitama is the main character. He is one punch man. He's the logical conclusion of this stereotype. Um, and he's able to literally defeat any foe with one punch. Um, and this causes him to lose a sense of meaning in his life. So he's just like, nothing brings him satisfaction. He's just like a numb, bald, muscular, overpowered protagonist. Um, so of course it's, it's awesome action. It's hilarious. Um, so in, in the meta commentary on, uh, on anime and manga is great. Um, but what do you guys think about the approach to the series and its contribution to like manga and anime as a whole. And I'll, uh, I'll pose it to TJ first. So they, I really like it because they don't pose the story as here is Saitama. He is the overpowered protagonist. Nothing is hard for him. It focuses on everyone else's role in the world and how he is just trying to live his life now. And then, you know, he realizes that instead of cutting coupons every day and, struggling to make ends meet and watering his cactus, he could join the Hero Society and get paid to do what is basically nothing for him, <laughs> just show up and win a fight. And as far as its impact goes, I think people are have been a lot more willing since then to give these kinds of series a chance, series that seem like jokes at first. And man, is it worth it. And also, I think the production of One Punch Man, I keep almost saying One Piece, uh, but the production has actually, think, given a lot of companies a bit more leeway in what they'll actually produce. People are more willing to take that jump because One Punch Man started as a webcomic with some really horrible art, and he eventually pitched it to... Oh, it's not Shonen Jump, is it? No, uh, Murata, who had worked with Shonen Jump before, contacted one and said, hey, I really like this series. Yeah. Would you mind if I redrew it while you're also telling your story? I think yeah. it's like jump, young, jump Plus or something like that. It's like for their Seinen brand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And then, you know, that's just how that happened. So it's currently releasing as a webcomic, and then Murata takes it and draws whatever he wants. Well, not whatever he wants. But, you know, <laughs> they change the story a little bit from the webcomic to the manga, and then a little bit from the manga to the anime. So it's really interesting. And, you, like, you have to watch all three or read all two of them to like get the whole picture. Super interesting. You know, that definitely enhances it. But like in regards to the question, uh, 
the overpowered protagonist is something that everyone knows. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to defeat everything with the power of friendship or, you know, I'm just going to punch a little harder than you. And that means I win. Or we get to the point in Super where Goku's punches are breaching dimensions. And like, sure, that is fun and interesting. I'm still in it to win it for Dragon Ball as time goes on. But it's not as interesting when the things were the higher stakes when you never knew who was going to come out on top. And that's one thing that anime has gone a little too far in, especially with light novels that are being adapted into anime it, because they sell, which is not their fault. So they're giving the people what they want is they have a bunch of really overpowered protagonists who can do whatever they want. They end up with all the girls. They have their own harem. They're the most special, most important person. And guess what? They look exactly like you. And that means that you are the person in the story and you can feel their glories as if they're your own. And like, sure, there's, there's escapism is something we really love. Like, I love to escape into a new world and see what's going on there and how it's different than mine. But it gets a little too much when that's every single one who comes out. Like, and this is my own fault for watching almost every single isekai that comes out in the new anime season where pretty much almost every single protagonist is the same. Just a different hair color for your waifus along the way. It is what it is. But when it comes to One Punch Man, it's that journey, as TJ was touching on, of, yeah, he is the best. He can kill pretty much anything with one punch, but it doesn't bring him any satisfaction. We'll talk about that later. It's more about the people around him and how they react to him being this strong. What they're struggling here, like their stories, like being led by his example. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And and also guilty for uh, for watching pretty much all the mainstream overpowered protagonist animes. You know, I'm been a Dragon Ball person and, and still in, like you said, for the long haul. I mean, I still love My Hero Academia and Demon Slayer, just these goofy kind of uh, beta kind of protagonists who actually are like have different cool hairstyles and get all the gals and uh, and win all the battles. Um, so, yeah, uh, like you said, it's just it's, it becomes, um, oh, I guess you just beat a dead horse too many times. You know, I guess there's new generations that come about who discover it. The same formula works, et cetera. We have pop music, right? Not a bad thing. We enjoy those things. Um, but it can, be, it can become pigeonholed. I really like the, the kind of the background with the webcomic because I didn't know that about One Punch Man and kind of getting into like the history of its development. I think I really like too how Saitama is this guy who is um, kind of just living his daily life and he learns that the thing that he's like the best at and he can become like can be his job. Kind of also speaks to like the even our, to like the way that we live our lives now that even our dream jobs are also kind of don't bring us satisfaction in a lot of cases. And so I think where there's like meta commentary on like anime and uh, and manga as a whole, uh, um, I think that it also kind of speaks to like um, modern day life in an interesting and funny way where it's like, you know, Saitama is basically able to like, he, he didn't even really have to work at it. Right. You learn he did work, but not in a way that like Goku had to go into the time chamber and learn how to and, and do that. Right. He does a hundred pushups, a yeah. hundred sit-ups, a hundred squats and a hundred meter run. And uh, that's how he's the ultimate man. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I think it was a five kilometer there. run. Oh, five kilometers. Okay. Well, was that's actually, so go ahead. Hmm? Uh, well, I just, it's not even that intense of a workout. Yeah. And that's one of the big jokes too, is like, well, anyone could do that. So what is it about you? 
But that's one of the things about this show and the webcomic manga in general is that there's this idea of pushing past your limits being a thing in universe that people are capable of. We start first episode. You had the the crab monster. It's been like his ideas that he loved. He ate so much crab, and then he just eventually became Crablante. And you have Saitama, who just wanted to push past his limits to the point to be the very best to destroy anything that came in his way. And it's kind of implied heavily that he broke a barrier that humans might be able to do if they had the same resolve and focus as him. And that's one of the reasons he lost his hair, apparently, as well as you know that intense training is just the cost of that was you know losing his hair to become the perfect man able to kill pretty much anything within one punch yeah i think the the part most people skip when they try to emulate his workout routine is the fact that he didn't have air conditioning (laughs) that's integral you you really could be one punch man or at least be as cut as one punch man if you would just work out that way and turn off the ac yeah yeah doubt. particularly in the summer uh the summer months yeah uh yeah i think i think it's just then you can't get the punches that way that's right. That's right. Um, you know, I, I love to, you know, someone like Genos who uh, who comes under his wing and wants to train and there's just like no way that he's going to reach the, <laughs> the reach one punch man. And Genos is like the epitome of an awesome overpowered protagonist where he's like mm-hmm. the hot android with all the power. And uh, he just he just can't get there. And it's hilarious. Um, yeah. Yeah, good, good stuff. Um, so, you know, season two is a lot different than season one. Um, and I feel like the fandom is split down the middle when it comes to embracing season two or just ignoring it. I don't know. You get, y'all might know more about the cultural dynamics. I see some people kind of being like, no, it's good. You should watch it um, and enjoy it. And other people being like, no, it's trash. Um, you know, but I don't know. I, you know, season one had an original story with an original idea that had original things to say. Um, and for me, season two kind of felt like a continuation of the overpowered protagonist stereotype that season one parodied. Um, you know, I just don't really feel like Saitama is like the focus of season two anyway. Um, so anyway, you know, what's y'all's opinions in the season one, two split and was, and I guess to give me some context is, season two also like was it a manga first um Mm -hmm. and also Uh, parts of it okay and that's one of the things i think people would be a lot more generous to it well number one it had a bunch of things working against it they switched animation studios so you're not getting what you had the first time around so things are a bit clunkier animation wise compared to the first season then you have it adapts some manga original content that uh, one and uh, Murata had like collaborated on say, Hey, like you're getting a little ahead of me. You're drawing too fast. You're just one of the best artists in this field. You keep doing too much. So let's do something to give me more time away. Cause one, he just kind of releases when he releases. He doesn't have a set schedule. That's the joy of a web comic. You just kind of do it whenever you feel like it or you have the time. Um, so there was like a long gap from the last chapter he did, but only like a couple months ago, he released a couple more. Uh, so that's working against it. Then also what's working against it is that there's not really an ending to this season. If you know, you don't know what's coming next. This is more like set up towards the cool showdown you want, which will be the third season more than likely whenever that does come out. So you're left with a sense of, I, I want more, but as someone who read a web comic and manga, I'm okay with it, but I understand anime only is like what just happened here. There's no ending. All this is messed up. I don't like it. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I still think season two is really good and worth watching, but that might be because I do know what's coming next. 
and having to wait for it to be animated isn't that big of a deal to me. And like, I really like Garrow. I feel like if you don't, then this season two isn't isn't very good for you. I think that's probably my problem is that Garrow just doesn't seem that. And this is me just watching the anime people. So yeah, yeah. there there you go. Is he just doesn't seem that like convincing to me? He's like this kind of anti-hero, um, which is fine. He kind of he kind of gives me. Um, Oh, what's his name from uh from My Hero Academia with the with the blade? Stain. Um, yeah, he gives me stain vibes. Um and which is fine. Like I think it's is it, is good and things, but I just I felt like what season and I don't know what's coming next, so maybe y'all can tell me if it's in line with the first season, but I feel like the first season was just so interesting and cool on its own and hilarious. And now there's some parodies, right? They do the tournament arc and they kind of, they make so many callbacks to Dragon Ball Z. Like yes. it just feels like Master Roshi, you know, kind of disguise. Um, <laughs> and of course, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And he gets disqualified, you know, for pretending to be the guy who took all the credit for, for him. Um, right. That's the guy who he's pretending to be in the tournament, right? The guy who now, took all uh, the You're thinking of King. King is the one who took credit for his stuff. Okay. Without no planning to do that. People just thought he did it because he was always there. Whenever Saitama did something, killed some monster, King would be there. Right. Uh, the person he was uh, impersonating was Charanko, who was a disciple of uh, Bang. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang. Hmm. Yes. Who was also the teacher of Garo. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I got that part mixed up. But, yeah. So, you know, there's Easy things that are... There's things that are funny. There, I think part of it too is that I got mixed up a lot. There were so many different characters that popped up in season two that I was like, it felt very uh, um, almost like season three of the Netflix, The Witcher, where I was like, who are you? I don't really care about you. Yeah. That sort of thing. Consider subscribing on YouTube where you can get some uh, some other stuff. You get exclusive series like our comic book catch up, manga mustard, drinks with Tejas and a companion series we do each year to go with our annual theme. You also get access to Friday Night Frights and Wednesday Night Weeaboo and Spidey Swing Buys with Christian Ashley. Um, you get access to other exclusive shorts like uh, what I'm going to be doing soon are non-canon where I'm going to be reviewing different IPs that are outside of canon from our favorite fandoms or the Bible and discussing whether or not it should be canon. You also can get a short of Will's Wednesday pull list. If you're into comic books, Will goes through his favorites of each week's pull list for himself. You also get other bonuses over there. Um, Most of our surprise content will put straight to YouTube going live over there that you can check out. And a lot of our regular episodes are also posted on YouTube. If you just want to see our smiling faces. Um, So anyway, but I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess wanted to hear y'all response to that and even like how, maybe without spoilers, like what, like does the ending for season three, like, or what's coming? Like, does it fall more in line of what they're doing or what am I getting wrong? What am I missing? I think if you want more of what happened towards the end of season one with Saitama versus Boris, you know, it's essentially him versus the Saiyan Saga Vegeta slash Frieza. You know, you're going to get that with the monster association, with the fight between them. You're going to get more exploration of the side characters as they're fighting while Saitama's on his own little, journeys all across the place eventually stumbling upon things that he shouldn't be stumbling upon it it's going to be worth it it season two is a lot of setup and that is one of its failings for a general you know audience that's just experiencing anime only if you're reading chapter by chapter it feels a lot better because you know where it's headed 
but there's like a definitive end to an anime at that point in time that I definitely understand why people were upset. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's definitely, definitely worth it. I think most people are probably going to have to rewatch season two uh, when season three comes out. And it really does not help that the gap between the seasons is so long. Yes. Because if this was like a yearly release schedule, uh, I think people would have stopped complaining about season two pretty quickly once the Monster Association arc started out. Yes. Mm. Mm. Good to know. I mean, you know, people waited, have been waiting a long time or waited a long time between Attack on Titan season. So I guess uh, <laughs> be a little, I got I to gotta channel some patience for, uh, for One Punch Man season three. And uh, I probably yeah. will rewatch it just because yeah. to hear y'all's perspective and getting set up, I'm kind of uh, excited to hear what's coming because y'all have a, yeah. have good taste. So, well, thank you. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, personally, I think they should have waited a little bit longer between some of the attack on Titan seasons. If the series had ran for exactly 13 years, that would have been perfect. Mm, it was close. It was really close. That dying right before you can. Yeah. Okay. 13 yeah. years. Makes sense for attack on Titan. Yeah. You dropped the, you dropped the ball. You dropped the ball. Uh, attack on Titan. Man, man. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Saitama, we'll go, we'll go back here. He, reaches perfection in the field of fighting okay uh so the focus of his meaning is extremely narrow in the show of course it goes into other things like his life and what he wants to do and and things like that but this is kind of the primary thing that is what he strives for and is uh is the cause for his uh his i don't want to say nihilism i don't think that's the correct it's just meaninglessness um yeah there you go um yeah so but his 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 reaching his um yeah so him him feeling emptiness him feeling meaningless him feeling apathy um, what do you think of his achievement of perfection and how do you think that meaningless cause by achieving perfection may or may not be relevant to wrestling uh, with that in real life for us as readers and viewers so I, I think it's interesting in season two uh, they let you like see what it's like. For someone else in his shoes with uh, Sui Ryu. Uh, or is that season one? The Sui Ryu is two. The okay. yeah, yeah, martial yeah, artist. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And who was in Saitama's place where he's like, I'm too strong. No one can touch me. I'm just going to go smurf this fighting tournament again like I do every year. Uh, you know, bound, restricted. It doesn't matter. And we get to see him like blitz through that arc that we want for Saitama, which is rediscovering the purpose in his life because he can be beaten. And boy, does he get beaten. Uh, so it's interesting that they show us that, that like it is possible for him. They're kind of teasing us. Uh, I think it's relevant to real life because of stagnation. I think it's hard to relate to something like that because he actually is legitimately the pinnacle of physical, physical fitness. In real life, there's always someone better. Uh, but I think it's important to stay focused on what you're doing and know that there's always room to improve because we are not Saitama. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what this does is it's a really great exploration of fears we all have of if I get what I'm after, is it going to fulfill me? And we all know it's not. So why seek after it? Why go for it? You know, you know. Even our relationship with God, sometimes it feels like we get as close as possible, but it's not enough or because of something on my end or because uh, it feels like he's distant when he's actually there or something like that. 
and it gets all over the place. It's like, I want, I want to be like him. I want to be, have perfection or I want to have this job. I want to be fulfilled here. I want to make this much money and own this house. And we know that no matter what we obtain, even if we're the best of the best, if I became the best selling writer next year, New York times, number one, like that's not going to bring, you know, the purpose I want for my life. It's, but we also need to seek after it. And he sought after it a little too quickly for his own good and not being tempered by learning over time. And now actually Suyu's journey compared to Saitama is a really good example, TJ of like, Oh, now there's a pinnacle I can go after again. Let me do that. And that's why he's seeking after, Oh, this hero hunter, could he be the one to take me down? If we see multiple times over, he just slaps him, not even knowing who he is and completely beats him. And that's something that'll continue in season three is like their rivalry. So there is something more out there for him. But I think what this does show is like our fear of, if we attain obtain what we want, what then? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why Garrow's well, on well, top. So true. As he flies into the distance, as we see his uh, his amazingness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I really like that. I had listened to something about existentialism the other day, and just talking about us as humans, like the reason the the fact that we are limited um, is like part of what gives meaning to our lives. And so, like you said, Saitama is this kind of exploration of what happens when you hit this perfection in this field that you want. It's that, you know, kind of like you said, kin to that Christian, that be careful what you wish for sort of a thing. You know, another, you know, being a Tolkien guy, the elves are kind of like, they're in a thought experiment on what happens if you can never die and live forever, right? And kind of the same thing where the elves, as producing like the most beautiful things, are also have this sense of like disinterest in the world and they're kind of numb in a lot of ways as they get older. And so very similar to um, Saitama and that. And so I I really like this idea. And, you know, thinking of like theologically, depending on what your views are, you know, God is the one that's perfect, right? You know, that's the one and we are humans. And so that sort of thing. Um, And I think even too, on the other side of things, you know, if you think that God is not perfect, um, that God also grows or something like that, but that God is like the most good or the most, you know, loving or whatever, this, the closest thing to perfection, um, that kind of lives and breathes on us to give us, uh, something to strive towards, right? That's where Christ likeness comes in and inspires us to head towards, um, what, who God is, um, and what is meant for our lives. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. series it, it doesn't shy away from like showing that Saitama still isn't the perfect hero, uh, because he got a zero on the written part of the hero test. <laughs> so even the greatest is is not so great. Yeah, he's but very he strong uh, enough to brute force anything. So it's true. He he's very a Channing Tatum. He's very Channing Tatum in a Twenty One Jump Street in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, ultimately, you know, as we've got, at least right now, fighting doesn't bring Saitama any real satisfaction. Um, and to be honest, he's, he's very numb right throughout the series. But training with Genos and joining the superhero registry seems to bring him back into the fold of meaning making to a certain extent. Um, and I think uh, his relationship with Genos and other people Um, But where do you see One Punch Man's relationships influencing his outlook on life and even his own uh, superhero career? Well, with Genos, you get that mentor who's a very different kind of mentor 
to his student. It's like, hey, just leave me alone. I will tell you these things. And of course, the student takes it and twists it. And the, oh, he must actually be teaching me this. But then over time, he and Saitama actually get this kind of friendly relationship with one another. They genuinely care about each other. Uh, they will f- fight to the fullest against each other. And Genesis is obviously going to lose because Genesis just takes L's just like his middle name. It's just how things goes with him. But there is a respect there that wasn't there when Genos first showed up on the scene. You get with him. Then you go to somewhere uh, like King. King is the kind of person, because you see first season, Saitama wants people to recognize what he's done. Like he's killed all these things. He protected this, you know, part of the city from this asteroid or what have you. And King is the one everyone else thinks did all of his accomplishments. But King, you find is not, he's not a glory hound. He just doesn't have the stomach to tell people they were wrong to assume it was him. So now he's like the sixth rank, the S rank hero in the the setting. And Saitama, uh, speaking of learning how to deal with uh, the pinnacle of victory, keeps losing against him in fighting games of all things. You know, the fighting, the physical, he's good at. But then you have the two of them in this virtual video game kind of setting well, King is the superior. So Saitama has something he can fight against there to I need to get better. And that's one thing that kind of bolsters their friendship together. And there are more examples, but I'll give you guys more before I take them all. Yeah, uh, it's great. I think it's very real and it's very human. Like throughout time, humans have been, I was humans. Humans have been like extremely social creatures. And, you know, a lot of your life depends on the people you're around. And we see that in One Punch Man because when Saitama was alone when the series started he really had nothing he just bought groceries killed things that showed up and that's it he wouldn't even like seek out threats to kill he just if they were close or inconveniencing him that's what he took care of and they just so happened to be like dragon level threats uh but that's just because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> but you, you do see him become compassionate you know over time where he actually cares about saving people because he can. And, you know, his fight with the Sea King, I think, shows that mm. really well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's like the the funny, the humor comes in, but it's also like the the sadness of like, that's the only thing that has brought him meaning or thought could bring him meaning. And like you said, as soon as these relationships come in, it really gives him, not only through video games, right, but that's like the bridge that uh, kind of brings him and King together like developing that friendship at first of like, um, you know, losing, but then also striving for something. Um, I'm even thinking about the fight um, with, with tornado. Right. Um, Right. That's, that's her name. Right. With the psychic powers. Tatsumaki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And she, uh, cause I think that's in season two, right. Where, or am I even going past into the manga now? And I know more than I thought. There's multiple examples. They find yeah, each other. Where, they're a, they're a contentious pair. Okay, but I feel like she she I feel like in season two she like goes after him and Saitama kind of lets it happen and kind of and works with her. Right? Am I am I getting that right? With works with her on what she's really after and what she's really upset about, or am I am I am I? Now I'm trying to figure out if I'm merging memories because her sister Fubuki Blizzard is the first one right. that confronts him. I can't remember. If- they actually fight in season two or not? Because I know for sure they do later on. Yeah, I might be thinking might, of the manga. It is in the manga, and it's not long after the monster. It's like right after the monster association arc. Yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, uh, with them, it is that 
the haughty spirit as well. She is kind of at the pinnacle. Uh, Tatsumaki is being like, I'm the best of the best besides Blast, who has not made a physical appearance in the anime so far. And depending on where you're at, manga or webcomic, you may see him, you may not. It's, but her, like, constantly striving towards, I want to be like him and what he did for me. And you find out more along the way what that relationship means to her. And yet there's this total goofball with a bald head who's asking what the sassy child over here is doing. And that infuriates her. So that's going to, that's him. He's not going to take anyone's BS. And she's not either. So that's a good foil between the two of them for each other. Uh, so I, I really enjoy his relationship with both of those sisters. And actually, I forgot my favorite character, which is Moomin Rider in this series. This powerless guy on a bike wearing his little special armor and his sunglasses, making sure he can do whatever he can to protect people. He's completely and utterly powerless, yet he's the, the top of C rank where there are some superpowered people underneath him, as we find out over time. And his relationship with Saitama is one of the best things in the series because they couldn't be more different power level wise from one another. And yet they both find mutual understanding to the point where Moomin Rider is facing off against the Sea King, someone he has no business whatsoever fighting. It's because of not only the stuff he'd done in the past, but also the example of Saitama always fighting those things that earns that respect that even the Sea King himself is kind of like, hey, you have no business trying to fight me, but I get it, man. You're doing your thing. You're a hero. You're a real hero. That buys enough time for Saitama to get there to save people. That wouldn't have happened if he had just realized the power level difference and just said, well, I have no business being in this fight and stop. Yeah. Moomin Rider is a real one. So true. I had also forgot about Moomin Rider. Also, some of the most hilarious, uh, you know, just Krillin level butt kickings in the uh, in the series. Uh, um, yeah. So I, I guess, but, um, you know, anything else that y'all want to uh, bring up or uh, talk about before we, we wrap things up on One Punch Man? Uh, if think... you're going to pick one of the two to read, uh, I would recommend manga more, even though the webcomic is amazing. And I say this is someone who cannot draw one bit and I try not to, you know, speak bad of other people who do. One is learning along the way. He's not a great artist. He has become better, way better than where he started, but it's nothing compared to Murata and the storytelling, like they're collaborating. So you're going to get mostly the same story other than like some original content there. So I would check out the manga first. Sorry to interrupt you, TJ. No, I was just going to agree. Definitely. Everyone should read the manga, especially if you don't want to wait because man, it's just amazing. It's one of the best mangas I've ever read. My opinion. Okay. I need to, uh, I need to read the manga and get the payoff. So I, uh, so I'm not an uninformed season two hater. Um, <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, I appreciate both of you, but we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up with some recommendations. Um, uh, TJ, what do you, what have you got to recommend for our, our, our ge- uh, fellow systematic geekologists out there? Recommendations. Uh, I have a couple. If you just finished attack on Titan, rewatch the series. Definitely. And for everyone else, I, I really think I just I, I really would just want to wa- recommend One Punch Man if you've never seen it, but listen to this for some reason. If you've never seen it and you listen to this, watch it. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic, Christian. Give us some recommendations. Uh, well, if you want something very similar in that it's written by the same guy by one, 
uh, which is totally completed. I think the anime is actually done as well. I haven't watched all of that to the end, but I read all of the webcomic. Uh, Mob Psycho 100 mm. is kind of a similar premise, but more on the more supernatural power kind of thing. Uh, the number one psychic in the world who is just this high school kid. He's a very shy and timid person. His brother's a bit more outgoing. He's got this one of the greatest characters in fiction, Reagan Arataka, as his uh, like handler, essentially, who has no psychic powers of his own, but pretends like he does uh, while using Mob to get things done for him. Like Mob Psycho 100 is a great exploration of, oh, I'm at I'm also at the pinnacle of this stuff, but I'm also just a little middle schooler. I don't really know what life is about. What am I supposed to do with anything? It, it's I don't know what one struggled through in life, but he's clearly written some of that into his stories, and it's a ball to read. It's amazing. It is so good. Top tier anime manga recommendations anytime you're here with Christian and TJ. So anytime you <laughs> see their names in the show notes and you are a fellow weeb, you want to jump on that because uh, I have multiple uh, things in my reading list and watch list from their recommendations. Um, you know, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big pop punk punk guy. And of course, Blink-182 released their long awaited album last month. Um, and it is just a banger. One more time is the album. If you just want to feel nostalgia and feel everything old Blink with new Blink. Um, I really liked when, uh, Blink, even when Matt Skiba joined back in 2016 and they released their California album. I really liked that album. Um, and felt they did a good job um, uh, at the album nine. You know, eh, we'll talk. I, this is in a Blink-182 episode, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep that there. <laughs> but uh, one more time, Amazeballs. Absolutely amazing. Maybe arguably the best uh, Blink album of all time, in my opinion. So uh, listen to it and uh, agree or disagree with me on the Internet. Uh, I praise. Yeah, it's, it, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've cried uh, multiple times. It's mm. it's amazing. Yeah. It is really good. Well, friends, uh, fellow weebs, uh, if you want to listen to more, you should go to Captivate, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, go to YouTube, uh, find Systematic Ecology, go subscribe. Or, you know, if you're not, you're not ready to subscribe, listen, give us a little listen. And then you, as we hook you in, subscribe. Um, and then if you listen and you want to contribute uh, to some more stuff, you can go to Captivate. And you can go to Patreon, give us some cash, and you get some extra stuff, like a bonus, some bonus episodes um, with bonus questions, which we will be having with this very episode that you will get. Um, mm-hmm. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, Facebook as well, I think. That's, are we on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, we're on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Find us all over the interwebs and, uh, and hang out with us. Um, and just uh, as we head out, just remember, we are all the chosen people. A geekdom of priests. Be sure to check out other Anazal Ministry Podcast AMP Network shows. You can see the whole network in a single feed if you're on Spotify, or you could go to Apple Podcasts and find the Anazal Ministries Network Podcast, the AMP Network Network. Yeah, there's just a network on Apple. You can follow the whole thing. You'll get shows like the homily where Pastor Will goes through his homily messages. It's literally just Pastor Will sermons, guys. It's great. 
You also get access to the Whole Church Podcast, where TJ and myself interview leaders from across different denominations and backgrounds to work towards a more full church unity. You can see My Seminary Life, where Brandon Knight discusses his experiences at seminary and then discusses seminary topics so anyone can have access to knowledge available to seminary students. You also can see Let Nothing Move You over there, where Christian Ashley goes through the Bible in a Bible study type fashion and explains the whole biblical narrative. I also have a show on there, The Dummy for Theology, where we discuss various theological topics in an attempt to show every side of the discussions, leaving you with more questions than answers. There's also The Bible After Hours, where the foul-mouthed preacher goes through the Bible from a more progressive view to challenge the status quo of the modern church. Finally, you can hear The Clydes, where Taylor and Elizabeth Clyde go through weekly discussions in a devotional conversational style method to help us all get closer to one another and to God. Hello, friends. If you enjoy Systematic Ecology, a great way to support us and to keep us moving forward into the future is to be a patron on our Patreon network. If you're a Patreon, then you get live access to our YouTube exclusives like comic book ketchup and manga mustard, drinks with Tejas, and also uh, some extra content there with our companion series to go along with our annual theme. If you're a patron, you get exclusive merch like t-shirts and handbags and mugs. There's also a bonus extra question that has extra content. In each episode, we go deeper into our faith and the questions that we're wrestling with, but we also do this extra question uh, to jump in and to share about, and and uh, patrons get to hear how we answer that question. There's discounts on our store. You get access to any future online D&D campaigns. You can easily access all of our Patreon content through our Spotify page, where it says exclusive content for subscribers. That could be you folks. And all that being said, you get the satisfaction that you help us uh, keep the lights on and keep us moving forward with our software, our marketing, our equipment, staying current in the podcast game. Uh, we love Systematic Ecology. We hope you do too. Support us moving forward. Thank you for all that you are. We know there's a lot of great choices and content out there, and you choose to listen to Systematic Ecology. Thanks, folks. We love you. Peace.